Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I'm here today with journalist, author, and public speaker, Starshine Rochelle. She's the author of several books, including Keep Your Skirt On, Kicky Columns with Legs, Life on the Edge, Candid Columns from the Brink, Broad Assumptions, Thinky Winky Columns, and her latest, Lather, Rage, Repeat, Frank Talk on Night Sweats, Day Drinking, and Twitler. She's also an award-winning journalist, longtime author at the Santa Barbara Independent, an amazing mom, and my former colleague back in the day, Starshine Rochelle. How are you? I am so well. I can't believe I just got you to say thinky winky columns. <laughs> I don't even know what Twitler is. It doesn't I mean, matter. He's gone now. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm really pleased that uh, you're taking some time to uh, talk to me on this podcast because uh, we've known each other for a long time. I mean, I think uh, you've known me since 1999, 2000, when I yeah. first started working at the Daily Paper. And um, you've sort of seen my career grow. I've seen your career grow. And we have a lot of shared journalistic experiences. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to to talk to you today. Um, let's let's dive right in. Uh, you're, you are undoubtedly a celebrity in this town and you have uh, done so much in this community, both as a journalist and a, a writer and author, sometimes activist. Um, you are award-winning columnist at The Independent and uh, you have sort of, you know, a national uh, presence as well in terms of your columns. You're such an amazing writer and you're, you're so well known and uh, people just kind of gravitate to you. And I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about who Starshine Rochelle is from your perspective and how did you, how did you get to this point in time? And, and, and did you, did you, is this the path that you mapped out for yourself or help, help the audience understand sort of who are, who is Starshine and who, what is this brand that you've created? Oh my gosh, that's a big question. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for asking. Um, thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be doing this with you. Um, you. And yes, I'm a big admirer of yours as well. I've known you and watched you since you were, I feel like you were so young when you started at that paper that shan't be named. Um, and just watching you, your, your own meteoric rise has been really cool. Um, Thank you. Who am I? So I, I, I don't know that this was the path that I mapped out for myself per se, but you know, looking back, it sort of seems inevitable that I would have wound up in some kind of writing. Um, although I don't, I don't think that anyone might have guessed this this particular kind. I grew up in Hollywood, and my parents were in the entertainment business. Everyone I knew worked in the entertainment business, um, and I thought I thought everyone in the world worked in entertainment. Like when I was a little kid, my dad was, my parents split when I was really little and um, my dad was dating someone and he said we were gonna go visit her at her work. And I said, oh, where does she work? And he said, oh, she works at the grocery store down the street. And I, I laughed out loud and he said, what's so funny? And I said, dad, people don't work at stores, they work at studios. <laughs> and like that was his first you know, clue that something was terribly wrong. But um, it, you know, growing up in that environment everything was was fictional right everybody was creative and they made up stories and they wrote songs and everything was very creative um, and generative which was really cool and it was a fun way to grow up for sure i spent a lot of time on um you know television the sets of television shows and in in nightclubs and um, music studios and things like that um but 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 so it wasn't it wasn't exciting to me to think about a career doing something like that because that's just sort of what everybody did. And it wasn't until I st started seeing work by, this is going to be ridiculous, but be people like Irma Bombeck, mm -hmm. um, who was a Midwestern housewife who wrote a column, who wrote, you know, who wrote columns and books of columns and who really had nothing in common with me as a young girl <laughs> in California. Um, but she, and, and also Charles Osgood, who was a, a CBS news yeah. anchor, he wrote this poem, I mean, he wrote this book of poems about the news, and they were funny, and they were true, and they, they were witty and quirky and informative, and the two of them, something about their work really grabbed me. It, I think it was the idea that you could tell gripping, compelling stories 
that were true, right? That you didn't have to make anything up that were actually based in real life. To me, that was fascinating. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is why I wound up wanting to um, gravitate towards journalism when I, I kind of figured... I was always a, a good writer. I did, you know, I did well in um, in English class and things like that. Um, whenever there were speeches to be given at school, they always tapped me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my my family was in theater. My my dad starred um, in the the first national touring company of Hair, and mm. which is a it was a musical um, in the late sixties. And there's a song called Good Morning Starshine, so that's what I was named for. So oh. I had like a lot of performers in my family, and so I'm, you know, I'm comfortable storytelling and giving speeches and stuff like that. As you can tell, I haven't stopped talking since, since you <laughs> asked me the question. But my point was um, that it, you know, I kind of figured, okay, I'll, I'll be a screenwriter or something like that. But, it, but then once I figured that there were this other kind of um, writing to be done and this other kind of storytelling where you could take facts and you could weave them into something that was um, compelling and engaging to people and meaningful and impactful to the community, that really, that grabbed me. And, and that's what I wanted to do. So did you harbor any dreams of becoming a performer yourself, like your father? Um, I don't think I did, really. And honestly, probably just because of that instinct to, like, kind of want to do something different than your parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if your parents are accountants, you want to do something different. Or if you're, you know, it's just like that's what they did. They already did that, and I wanted to do my own thing. Like, I wanted to shine. My dad was... In, in that element at the moment, he was like a superstar in that lane, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wanted to be a superstar in my own lane, right? I wanted to do something different um, and explore avenues that I wasn't already familiar with, if that makes sense. Yeah. When did you know that you were a talented writer? Obviously, with writing, it's a process and we're never done. We're never complete. Like, obviously, we can always, always get better. For sure. But at what point did you sort of know that you had a voice inside you, that you had a story to tell, that you were able to, to weave words together in a way that actually could resonate with people? I think that that came in school, probably high school. I mean, I was, I was keeping journals, you know, as early as maybe grade school, um, just like I mean, maybe diaries is a better word, but um, I would tell stories and make up things and write song lyrics and things like make up song lyrics and and stuff like that. Um, my dad's a songwriter as well, so I love I love kind of playing with language. People people who read my columns say they they can see that um, sometimes, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah. It, it really was, I think, in high school when I started getting feedback from from teachers that, I mean, I just thought I thought everybody wrote the way I write, and so when I started getting feedback that was like, no, no, this is, this is good. You have something. Keep going with this. You know, don't don't let go of this kind of thing. I thought, okay, okay, because I really didn't know necessarily what I wanted to do, and like a lot of people say, you you wind up sort of pursuing the thing that people say you maybe have a natural, you know, inclination towards because it's going to be an easier ride than something <laughs> that uh, that you might be interested in, but that you really, you know, are not talented in. Now, I don't know how many columns you've written. I don't know if you know, but it's obviously thousands, right? Several I, thousand, 10,000. I, I don't know. Um, but talk to me about how you transitioned into being a columnist versus maybe a, a traditional journalist or a you know a news reporter or mm-hmm. maybe really liking feature stories what was that process like and, and did you have did you have people in your career who kind of guided you in one direction or, or, or another yeah for sure so I've I've done all kinds of things um, in news mm-hmm. I, I started before I even came to Santa Barbara I was a, a theater critic um, and I worked at The Hollywood Reporter in L.A. And then um, I did theater reviews for another publication, industry industry publication and things like that. And then when I and then when I came to town, um, I got a job as a as a clerk um, at the paper and worked my way up to to finally uh, being a reporter after a year or two. 
and was covering news. And that was really exciting. Um, I didn't study journalism in school. I was an English major. And I went to UCLA. They didn't have a journalism um, degree. They consider it a trade. And they would say, well, we're not a trade school, so we don't have that. But <laughs> but it is, as you know, something that you that you learn a lot about um, on the job. So, And I learned from watching those around me there in the newsroom, people I still admire so greatly. Um, but, you know, Melinda Burns, for one, yeah. and, and folks like that. But um, I... When did you get hired at that paper? Oh, gosh. I think 95, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, okay. so I got hired in, in 99. So if, mm-hmm. we could, if we could go back in time, it's just sort of interesting because, I mean, I remember a lot of people might associate you with being the independent columnist and your books. But, mm. I mean, you've done really good news stories. You've done feature stories. Jerry Roberts and I were talking about the whole North county santa barbara county oh, yeah. split story <laughs> but fun. i mean you have um a lot of t- what people would call like traditional news journalism in your background as well and you know i think some people may not recognize that i i did i did yeah. some of that but you know josh like i was never you know like a news hound like you yeah. um like you are i mean i always gravitated towards features in fact i, I used to joke because when the news scanner would go off, I would like run for the ladies room with my purse. Like, please God, don't send me (laughs) on a shooting or something, you know, like a bank robbery because just, I mean, while it's super exciting, I just was always scared. I was going to miss an important question or, you know, and plus, you know, I, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories and, you know, in a news story, especially a quick and dirty, like, next day on deadline story you you rarely have the space the word count um the column inches to go into much storytelling right it's just the facts um and while that's super important and while i think that really honed my craft of writing because you have to learn to cut to the chase quickly um it just wasn't my favorite way to 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 write um and so when an opportunity opened up on the features desk um at the paper I jumped on that and um, and was able to kind of weave that into eventually writing the column and um, deputy editorship and um, stuff like that. Let's talk about your columns and, and your process for writing. And I realize that some people are like, Josh, this is too, too micro, but for somebody who writes every day, who reads your work, like I'm fascinated with your style of writing because you have a style of writing that makes readers feel something you make them laugh uh maybe you offend a little bit sometimes Uh, (laughs) you make them sort of think about things going on in their own lives and that's really difficult i think the worst thing you want to be as a writer is forgettable right people read Mm. something and they don't remember what they read Mm -hmm. i don't think that's the case with you (laughs) with your writing Uh, so can you talk a little bit about your process or how you developed your voice and what it is you're doing when you're setting out to write a column what what is your what is your goal when you set out to create one yeah gosh those are good questions um so in terms of developing the voice I mean that that certainly came with time I don't think that my first columns if you went back and read them would be as recognizable as my my more recent ones but um you know it comes with confidence which comes with time <laughs> um but i think that i you know my family like i've told you were storytellers they were sort of theatrical and um we would sit around on holidays and things like that and and tell stories back before the internet um when people used to chat and talk to one another we would kind of almost compete to see who could, you know, tell the best stories with the best timing and get the biggest laughs and kind of, um, you know, embellish and dramatize. And, and, and so I really picked up from there this, a sense of um, how, to, how to have a voice and what, what, what is my voice? Am I sarcastic? Am I snarky? Am I honest? Am I vulnerable? Like, what, what is it? Mm-hmm. And I kind of try to be all of those things and depending on the subject matter, right? And then the second question again, sorry, was um, what? 
<laughs> right. I know I did that thing and I do it all the time. And <laughs> Double question. I, I always tell my I always tell my students, I say <laughs> Don't do double and God forbid triple barrel questions because people will be polite. But when they say things like those are great questions, what they really mean is, are you kidding? Do you expect me to answer oh, all I'm of those questions? <laughs> you I'm know, so hammer on and forget what you said. <laughs> so can you talk to me a little bit about your process? So when you sit down to write a mm-hmm. column, do you kind of know everything you want to say? Are you looking at your keyboard and figuring out as you go? What's that like? Yeah. Okay. So, so first of all, just choosing what to write about is is something that I struggle with always. I always have. Um, with the column because you want to you want it to be personal right it has to be something that means something to me if it doesn't it's going to fall flat and I've definitely written columns just because I had a deadline and I had nothing that was you, you know nothing I was itching to talk about that week but I had a deadline and I just the integrity of the job meant that I had to turn something in and when you when I read them now I cringe I'm so embarrassed because you, they're just they're lifeless um, because I didn't care about it. So it has to be something that means something to me, but it also has to be something that means something to others. You know, there's plenty of things that mean something to me that I could talk about with you right now and you'd be like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really a balance of trying to find something that fits both of those categories and I don't always do it for sure. Um, There'll be columns you'll say, who cares too? And you know, sometimes I, I lean more one way and more the other, but I'm always trying to find that balance. And, and actually Jerry Roberts gave me that advice early on. And he was like, look, if, if it's a legitimate thing happening in your life and you feel passionate about it, you know, then it's potentially a good column. You can assume that if you feel that way and it's a real thing, others may feel that way and it may be happening to to them too, but don't manufacture stuff. Um, cause it will, it will, fail and he was absolutely right I've, I've learned that the hard way several times as I mentioned but when I sit down to actually write something you know having a topic as you know is not the same thing as having a story yeah. so um, I've had I had people email me all the time you should write about this and I think well that's a sentence that's not a column there's nothing much more to say about that than you just did so mm-hmm. how do you develop something into six seven hundred words um, of a meaningful argument that somebody would want to give, you know, three to five minutes of their life <laughs> to yeah. reading, which is a lot these days, right? That's a lot of time to devote to something. Um, and 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 the answer is I, I just play with it. I really just start typing ideas that could come from it. I research the topic and see um, if there's anything that triggers a resp- another response. I mean, so, the rare column will just pour forth from my brain because I have a rant loaded and you know (laughs) I'm ready to go Mm -hmm. but more often um, I'll play with something and move things around and um, develop it until I think that it's a um, a strong a strong argument hopefully with some some entertainment built in one of the gifts of your column or one of the the skills is that it reads effortlessly it reads as though it reads as though it's easy to write like that. If you only has, knew. <laughs> I know. I mean, it has such a, but I mean, that's, that's what people don't understand is that there's takes so much work to be able to create something that feels accessible, that feels engaging, that flows from beginning of the word to the beginning of the sentence to the end of the sentence. For and, sure. when, and when you do it that well, I think other people sort of think, well, I could write like that, you know, but it's, it's, it's so difficult to be able to do that. And so that's kind of what I'm impressed is how you can make a story, I mean, a column feel conversational. Mm. So there's a lot of architecture behind that. And, For and, sure. And, and, right. That's a great word, architecture. I love that. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, because like as a, as a middle-aged guy, okay, I don't read every one of your columns. And one of the reasons <laughs> okay, I don't... neither does my husband. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons I don't do that is because like sometimes I just like, I feel like, oh my God, she's talking about vaginas and she's talking about piercings and she's talking about <laughs> like, 
you know, um, you know, sh- shaping your private parts, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, I feel, I can't read this. Like, I feel bad or I feel like embarrassed or it's like, this isn't written for me. You know? Yeah. You feel so, like it's not meant for you. You're right. not the intended audience. So, so can you talk to me? I mean, do you write for women? Do you write for men? Um, do, who is your target audience with your column? Um, gosh. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess when I'm writing, I'm thinking about my girlfriends, right? Who are sort of women my age-ish. Um, but I've been so surprised. But that was at the beginning. Um, and when I'm writing actively a column, I will think like, oh, this person's going to chuckle at this or whatever. But um, but I've been so surprised at the number of um, men of all ages who, well, maybe not all ages, but... <laughs> a variety of ages who write to me and say like you're the first thing I read in the independent or can you sign a book for me or something like that um I'm a big fan and I'm like really that that cracks me up I love I mean obviously I love that that's so great it's funny how my my husband jokes that whenever we're on the street there's um like a 70 year old man will stop me and tell me he's my biggest fan it's just like (laughs) okay I love that too (laughs) yeah well so let's, that's a good transition, too, because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about being a celebrity. And I know that you're very humble. And I think that's one of the greatest qualities that you have is that even though you have many reasons to brag or to boast or talk about yourself, you always come across really down to earth. And I think that's one of your things that appeals to people. That's is that very nice of you to say. I, I'm sitting here cringing because you said celebrity i hate that word but i i'm glad to hear that you think that right well i mean obviously i'm glad to hear you think i'm humble i mean (laughs) well yeah i mean i've you know obviously we have kids same age and i've seen you on the flag football field and you're you know there's like hey josh is that starshine you know like i've had that happen you know no no yes i've had i've had dads ask me that and i'm like that's just starshine. Yeah. What's your point? That's her. Yeah. You know, but, but <laughs> she's, that's a, she's pretty boring, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, there is this obviously a certain amount of prominence that journalists have in the community. And then because you're a columnist, you are um, uh, more prominent. People see your face and then you write about things that connect with people and you do it really well. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you reference, which is like, do people come up to you? Do people feel like they know you or do they overstep boundaries because they feel like... I have like... no boundaries. So, have... yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> I mean, look, it's a small town, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we throw the word celebrity around. But we have actual celebrities in this town too, which is something entirely different. But, um, <laughs> but so the thing that I, I think that the thing, the reason that that happens, I think, is because I have alighted upon this party trick which is that if you expose yourself frankly in print or on the screen or whatever we're however we're reading these days um you know people feel like they know you right exactly so I I learned I learned early on that you know I used to be embarrassed because I would I would write these columns that were so so personal and then I they, I would chuckle they would make me laugh as I was writing them and I would think this is so funny I, I want to read a column like this so I'm going to write a column like this and I would hit send to the editors and I would think oh I would start sweating I'd be like oh my god I did not just tell you know how thousands of people this you know detail about my personal life mm-hmm. um and but every time I've done that, Josh. Every single time, I like the rewards of people writing to me have just been like, "Oh my God, I feel that exact same thing." You crack me up, or I cut this out and sent this to my daughter, or we were just talking about this exact thing. I've never heard someone say it out loud. Thank you, or mm-hmm. you know, you, whatever. So I just thought, "Oh my gosh, that I'm just going to keep doing that. I don't care how embarrassing it is." And now I'm sort of like numb to it, right? I can tell anybody anything about myself at this point because, <laughs> because it's just so much fun to connect with people. And that is the main reason, it sounds sort of trite, but that is the main reason that I do this is because, okay, I love journalists. I love people like you. I am so grateful to all of the journalists who have covered this election, who are covering social justice issues right now, who are covering environmental issues, who are covering the things that really matter. Um, they're my, you are my heroes. 
Um, I'm not that person, right? I'm the one who runs for the bathroom when I hear the police scanner. But (laughs) the thing that I like to do and the thing that makes me feel good when I read it um, are true stories that are honest and that remind me, that make me feel connected to a stranger, right? So I, I read something and I go like, I don't know this person but man, have I felt that exact same thing before and I've never said it out loud or I was embarrassed to feel that or um, I felt, you know, shame or whatever about feeling that. And I'm so I'm so happy to, to know that other people have felt that same way. It makes me feel like we're all sort of more alike than we are different as humans. And to me, that's just hugely valuable. And so that's what I aim for. And so if I have to kind of, you know, humiliate myself on a weekly basis or whatever <laughs> in order to make that happen, it's, it's very much worth it to me. But, but the result of that is, yes, people in the community sometimes, you know, obviously feel like they know me and they kind of do, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. telling people about my kids and, and my um, conversations I have with my girlfriends and, and my greatest fears and, and my thoughts about religion. And, you know, I, I have sort of no holds barred, so... I really can't complain if somebody wants to come up to me in a, in a store and start chatting like we're friends because I've been acting like that for years. <laughs> I don't know them, though, yeah. so then I want to know, like, what's your name? What's your deal? <laughs> Do you still love writing? Um, it, it, are there times when you're like, I've got to write a column this week or sometime oh, yeah. in the next two weeks? And How do you commit? How do you continue your passion when you've done it for a long time and... Uh, you know that sometimes it just feels like work. How do you, how do you continue that that fire inside you? Yeah, well, um, quite frequently, honestly, it, it's it's hard to come up with stuff to talk about and to get motivated. I feel like, I mean, honestly, Josh, during this last summer when all the Black Lives Matter and everything was going on, I hardly wrote anything this whole year, um, which is why I really put a thing on social media saying, please please don't vote for me for best columnist this year i've hardly written anything and it's time for nick walsh to win because he kicks ass am i allowed to say that yes Um, (laughs) i I said vagina oh (laughs) (laughs) um but anyway so i i had said to them you know like maybe i should stop writing this column and i would be it would be great to get more i would like to hand the column over to someone like let's have people of color writing columns like why do we want to hear from you know the middle-aged white lady anymore um so fortunately the independent said that they would they are looking for for more you know more diverse voices um but they still wanted me to keep writing so (laughs) um and i'm and i'm happy to do it when i have something to say there's nothing better than having a place to put it because um, that feeling of being able to express myself clearly and, um, you know, in a compelling way, in an amusing way, obviously I, I like that as well. Um, the, it just feels so good having done that and just like, boom, you know, signing it at the end and just being like that. It's like wrapping a beautiful present for somebody, you know, and you're just like, I'm so proud of this thing. I love it. I can't wait for you to open it and, and, and see if you like it. But that doesn't happen all the time, as you well know, right? Like mm-hmm. some of them, you're like, eh, I don't know. See what you think. <laughs> um, and, and just what keeps me going is, you know, discipline, um, expectations. When I, I stopped writing for COVID because I was like overwhelmed emotionally and I was scared and I thought nobody wants to laugh right now. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to laugh at the beginning. We were all it just seemed tone deaf. Yeah. Um, and then I had people writing to me saying, please, we miss your column. All we want to do is laugh. Please, we yeah. just need a laugh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Um, okay, I can do that. <laughs> so I, I started back up. Uh, I know you've taught um, journalism or, or nonfiction yeah. uh, column writing or feature mm-hmm. writing. Features, yeah. Yeah. And so can we talk a little bit about what, what tips, what can you share with, what can you say to somebody to sort of, you know, tip the dam and sort of unlock the door to who's, who's having difficulty getting their voice out there. Yeah. I mean, some of the things we've touched on, right. Make sure it's a genuine thing that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't manufacture something. Um, don't, don't write about something 
that everyone else is writing about. I mean, that's the thing too, is, is often something will happen in the news and people will write to me and say like, oh, I bet you're writing about this. I can't wait to see your column on this. And I think, God, I've, I've already read 10 columns or articles or features or whatever about this this week. You know, mm -hmm. Samantha Bee did a thing and so-and-so, like everybody and their uncle is tackling this already. And by the time my column gets out a week and a half later, this issue is going to be dead in the water and unless i have something fresh to bring to it there's there's no point right don't it, there's just no point if you can't bring something fresh to a topic don't don't bother now is that you're asking me to inspire them that's not going to make them feel better <laughs> just um, quit if you can't think yeah of a good just, idea. <laughs> just just find something else to do no no i mean the thing is um you know columns are they're not as loosey-goosey as everyone thinks like in the newspaper in newspaper teaching or journalism teaching you know it's sort of like at the end of the spectrum like you teach like the the inverted pyramid and then hard news and things like this and and you get to features and you get to criticism or reviews mm -hmm. and then you get to column writing like it's this like crazy Alice in Wonderland Wild West you know free form whatever but it really isn't I mean it has a structure too and my columns still have that same structure if you look at them I mean a good mm -hmm. column has um, you know an argument that's backed up by by fact um, and it has uh, it's important that it has a uh, you should acknowledge in the argument that you understand the other point of view that's really important um, p different people call it different things like the um, I forget the name of it but there's a like um, you, you, at some point in your argument, you have to say, yes, I understand that X, Y, Z. And then you have to say why you're still taking your point of view. And, and you, you know, you sort of yeah. put it up there and then swat it away, the other side of the argument. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and it needs to bring you home at the end, back where, back where it started, you know, kind of mm -hmm. come full circle if possible. I, I use the analogy of a ride at Disneyland, like, you, you often it often leaves you it often brings you back to very close to where you got on the ride if it if it leaves you off somewhere different you would be sort of disoriented right when you got mm. off yeah so i mean i just think that i think people don't need to be as in, students shouldn't be intimidated by it thinking that it's like you know some kind of jazz version of journalism <laughs> when it really does need to have a structure it's just a little bit more um, allowing allowing some opinion in and making sure that it's still backed up by fact. And can we nerd out a little bit here Let's with an actual sentence? Uh, adjectives, okay? I feel like you have a really good use of adjectives in your columns. <laughs> I don't and that's, think anyone's ever that's, said that to me before. <laughs> I know. Um, it's really difficult because most people overuse adjectives and mm. it becomes purple prose. And oh, for sure. It becomes distracting, but you have a way of using like the perfect word at the perfect time to wow. sort of describe something. And so does that come from just the fact that you read a lot or it comes from just you're just kind of born with that vocabulary or do you, wow. do, you do you pay attention to that? And if so, why is it important? Gosh, I'm I'm. I'm so flattered. I really appreciate you saying that. That like, that's gonna of, of this whole interview. That's gonna stick with me all day. I'm gonna be like, you oh, like my adjectives. Um, I I think probably it comes from word count. Honestly, just having um, a limited word count and having wanting to say so much and having a limited space. Mm -hmm. And so I make sure that my verbs are active. Right? Why waste? Why waste? word count on a, a boring passive verb that you know when I can have a verb that says so much more so I mean I really do go through still line by line word by word at this point and see if I can tighten up a sentence see if I can say something with um, with more panache I actually pay attention to the rhythm of yeah. of a sentence I really because my dad's a songwriter and I grew up in the music business and stuff I have like musicality of language is really important to me and um, I read I read my stuff out loud sometimes and mm -hmm. if I don't like the way it sounds if it's clunky I'll switch words around so that it has more of a like almost a pentameter kind of rhythm to it just because yeah. it's easier um, to absorb that way I, I don't know I really love playing with language I, I love words 
we have a lot of discussions about words and language at our family dinner table even um yeah. i've told my kids since they were little there are no bad words you know it's it's know your audience know your context you know know what you're trying to accomplish with it um well, yeah. well, with with children named Dash and Stone, you definitely <laughs> do pay attention to words. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I've just noticed that with your writing, and and you, it's the perfect word at the perfect time, and the verbs are super important too, because that's the the energy and the motion of your sentence, and so I think that that's one of the things that people don't understand what's going into the sentence. They just know how they feel after they read it. It's like, mm. wow, I really connect with that. And there's so much to how that sentence is created. That being said, let's talk about some of your favorite columns mm. and maybe the ones that have caused the most reaction. You obviously got into um, you know, a little bit of a situation during the political season this year with a couple of, uh, oh my gosh, of candidates. Oh so did. Um, but can you talk to me a little bit about sort of like the favorite columns you've ever written, the ones that have gotten the most reaction and, and, you know, maybe some of the ones where you're like, I wish I never had written that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good, good, good question. So let's see, big reactions. I wrote a column, um, I wrote a column when my son was 16 that got a huge reaction, um, bad, bad reaction that I wasn't expecting and that one still surprises me, but I learned a lot from that. I, um, my son had, my oldest son had wanted a tattoo from the time he was like seven or something. He, he was always talking about wanting to get this pirate rose compass tattooed on his forearm. And we were like, yeah, okay. You know how you do like, that sounds great. Good luck to you. Um, and then, but he just never forgot about it. He was constantly mentioning it always, always, always. And when he finally turned 16 and he kept mentioning it, we realized like, oh, this is the year that he really needs to get great grades, right? Junior year of high school um, in order to get, you know, into a good college and everything and figured he needed a little motivation in that way. And so I just being impetuous said, you know what? You want that tattoo? Get straight A's this year and you can have the tattoo. <laughs> and of course, like, of course he did it. Um, cause that was just boom, done. And I thought, oh, okay, well now I have to follow through on this. And, um, turns out you can't get tattooed in California if you're under 18, <laughs> but I didn't know that, <laughs> but I had promised him this thing and he had worked really hard for it. So I had to figure out, shoot, now what do I do? So anyway, long story short, we ended up driving him to Vegas to get a tattoo on his arm at age 16 because he got straight A's and he did get into a good school. Mm -hmm. But I wrote a column about this because it was a pretty funny story and I just got slammed by people just calling calling me names, calling my son names, calling my husband names. A local tattoo artist wrote to me and called me a child abuser. It was just, <laughs> it was in, crazy. I had no idea the reaction that people would have about um, about that. Well, I pulled up the column while we we're talking, so I'm going I'm to read, read a little bit from it here, if I, if you don't mind. Go uh, ahead. Turns out, though, it's illegal in California to tattoo anyone under 18, even if his mother is standing there with a fistful of cash. Um, and and I would say we talked about your adjectives, but being able to see, make people see what you're writing—that's another gift you have. Aww. Standing there with a fistful of cash. It's hilarious, right? Like, it's like a mom with, like, <laughs> holding all these wads of money at the tattoo parlor. I mean, you can see that. Okay. It's also illegal in every state that borders California, <laughs> except Nevada, <laughs> where it's illegal to make anything illegal. And so that's funny there because you're, you're, um, you're playing off of the fact that Nevada has this reputation. And so it actually, Nevada has this reputation so much so that um, you can't do anything wrong there. And that's that's just a clever sentence. So I don't want to keep analyzing your writing, but I want to point <laughs> out that I do notice. Okay. But a deal's a deal. And if I rank academic achievement above a clean cut, wholesome appearance, then I rank personal integrity above them all. <laughs> so being a mob of my word, I reserved him and his dad, the last two seats in a friend's Vegas-bound minivan last week. There's the scene again, okay? It's not just 
I reserved a van, right? It's a Vegas-bound minivan. <laughs> Wait, you didn't think I was going to go, did you? The tattoo parlor's instructions said, wear something you don't mind getting blood on. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, okay. So that, you know, that's hilarious. And, and so what do you think it was that people were just offended that you would, you would do, you would let your son do this or was it the mm -hmm. negotiation for a grade? Do you think? No, both, yeah. mostly it was the fact that I allowed a minor to do this to himself <laughs> for real. And, right. and, the, and mostly the arguments boiled down to, um, someday if he regrets it, I'll, I will be to blame. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought, well, that's a that's a lousy. My the fact that I won't have anyone to pawn my guilt off on is a lousy reason to keep someone from something that they really want and they've earned. You know, so so. But it was just really fascinating to me. I mean, normally I, I can take the temperature and I can say, okay, so these kinds of people are going to hate this, and these kinds of people are going to like this. But that one really caught me off guard. Same column. At the studio, I'm told a tatted up rocker with a butt shaped coffee mug. <laughs> wow. Uh, dug into my baby's flesh for two hours while the speakers warbled. Hurt so good. And another one bites the dust. So is that John who remembered these songs playing? He is was texting hurts? me at the okay. time. He was like, you're not going to believe what's playing right now. <laughs> Hurt so good. That's funny. When my boy had navigated his way back home the next day, I asked him to be honest. Had he had any pangs of regret yet? Oh, God, yes. Are you kidding me? He said, like at least five times already. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, good luck, kid. At least he'll have something to write his college essay about. Right. <laughs> so that's what you said. You bring it all back home there. Um, did he get upset that that? people were mad at you and that you you took this story that was so personal and went public with it or was he used to it by now <laughs> he's used to it yeah. yeah i mean my first column was about him being a toddler um so he mm. grew up sort of knowing this is the deal but that said um you know they the my kids i mean all kids reach a certain age where they become sensitive like i think was it you josh recently that said you're not allowed to post pictures of your kids without asking anymore or something like that well, yeah, I, you know, I spent the last, you know, 10 years of my life posting pictures of Jacob yeah. on Facebook. And then yeah. one day he's like, don't do that. That's embarrassing me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's like, why don't you just put a knife in my chest? Right, you know? right, right. It's like, wait, I don't own your, your, your image, your brand. That's, that's not my property anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, at a certain point, you kind of have to check with them. And I do, I, I check with them um, when I'm going to like, I want to, I'm going to talk about this one thing. How do you feel about that? Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't mind and he, and he doesn't regret it. He, he does really like it um, these days, the tattoo. Now, now, did you respond to these people who emailed you with their complaints or did you just write them off? How did you react? I almost always respond to mm -hmm. people who write to me personally. Um, I, and I, my, my goal always was, um, has always been try to take whatever tone they're taking and do it one, one level nicer. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so if it's just full of like vitriol and hate, I'm not going to be like, oh, thank you so much for your kind words. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but I will say, you know, you know, I, you know, thanks for writing or you don't please, you know, you don't have to read me or something like that. But I try, yeah. you know, I try to respond to everybody because I feel like, look, I have the privilege of having this space to, to, to sort of say what's in my head and that that is a privilege and i've said my piece so you're you know you're welcome to say yours um and i did write back to to a lot of them because they they really did hit a nerve with me that time i have a, i'm pretty dead inside at this point i've gotten so much criticism <laughs> over the years for my columns <laughs> that i kind of take most of them with a grain of salt but um that one was sort of attacking my my motherhood right and right. and what kind of parent are you and um, so that one, I, I really did kind of engage with them and be like, geez, you know, I thought I explained it pretty clearly. And, um, this was my thinking anyway. Um, that one surprised me. Yeah. And I will say the last thing on this column, and I know you're aware of it cause you're a writer, but 
the ability to have a couple long paragraphs and then a short sentence. Like I'm reading this 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 That's column. That's the rhythm. It, yeah, it's like the lead is dang it. There goes my mother of the year award again. It's it's like ten words, okay, mm-hmm. and then the next paragraph's kind of long and then short. And then long, 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 short. And like that is so important to be able to constantly be able to stimulate the reader with mm-hmm. <clears throat> changing up the pace. For sure. Um, so what else? What what other columns have you written where you're sort of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe the reaction I'm getting? Um, you know, I, I mean, some, one of my very favorite columns was not even a funny one. It was a really raw... Um, sad one that still makes me cry when I read it my my older son again he had a a friend a best friend who who passed away um, when when they were teenagers and um, I he was he he had been in a coma he he had a heart issue and um, I had been down to, to visit him in the hospital down in LA and was driving home just in, in rage I was I was in rage about about the unfairness of it and I had nowhere to put it I'm not religious I'm very frank in my columns about being atheist and I was really struggling I kept getting texts from all of our mutual friends like pray for him pray for this kid can we pray for him and I was I just had so much rage about the whole issue and I I had to put it somewhere and I just came home and that's one of these columns I did not play with I did not take a a week to write it I just said I'm writing don't bother me I closed the door and I just like vomited out this column (laughs) and I'm and and it really expresses um, expressed how I felt at the time and it was really raw and it was really angry Um, but it was really honest and um, clear, I thought. And I, and I got a lot of feedback from people, um, some saying, you know, why don't you, why don't you give religion another try? And, and that, that wasn't super useful, but it came from a kind place. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then a lot of people also just saying, I feel you, I've been there, or just empathizing, or, or just thank you. Anyway. That one um, is one that I'm proud of. Do you have a, a favorite column? Like the, the you know, you mentioned that one that you're proud of. Do you have one where you'll go back and read it every now and then again, just because it makes you feel some a certain way? It's funny. I, um, you know, once, once I write them and send them, I sort of forget about them because my brain starts working on the next one. And yeah. just as I, as I put together each of the four books, um, I, my, I, every time I go to put together a book, I think, I, I don't want to, nobody wants another book. These are like, nobody, we've already done a book. And then I start looking at the columns and I'm like, oh, wait, no, that one was pretty funny. Oh, wait, that one's pretty funny. And so I have to read through all of the ones since the last <laughs> book in order to um, decide which ones to include. And I, and I find myself chuckling and being like, no, that was pretty good. So, so that's kind of a nice thing to do is... Um, to, and I and I some of them I can't even remember having written Josh like mm-hmm. just like did I really say that um, yeah. just because it's you know like I said it's like gone you know you know in school when you take a test like you you cram for a test and then you take it and then someone could ask you ten minutes later and you can't even remember anything that was that you knew on the test because it's just you put it all on the paper yeah it's right. kind of like that it's like it's just vanished out of my head. Well, I do that with my stories. Like, I, mean, I bet. I have no recollection of ever writing the story. I, I can't believe those words came from me. And, <laughs> and what's worse is like when I actually like it, I'm like, holy cow, that's good writing. I can't believe I did that. You know, that's the, I'm like, the, the stuff that's bad, I'm like, well, I could see why I forgot about that. It just wasn't very good. But I'm like, I can't believe I wrote that. That's pretty good. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you and, and, and sort of, your, your family situation. You've mentioned your son that you, you've written about. Um, tell me a little bit about what it's like to, to be a mom. You Both of your kids are, you know, you have a, a son in high school, I guess is, is, is Stone in college still or is he done? No, he's graduated. Yeah, yeah Stone's yeah. 22. Um, okay. So tell, you know, to the degree you feel comfortable, talk to me a little about your, your kids and your, your family situation. 
Yeah, so um, so my oldest is living in London right now, um, mm. and he's he's working for Pro Football Focus, and he did um, almost a year at Salud Carbajal's office in D.C. after he graduated from college, nice. where he majored in political science. Um, is he still like super buff? He is. Yes, he's <laughs> very buff. Yeah, he, he's a CrossFitter. Um, and then my youngest is 15, and he's in the Engineering Academy at DP. Mm-hmm. And um, well, he's home. He's home now, but but uh, looking forward to going back to school two days a week in January. And how has COVID impacted your routines, your your situations with with schooling, with work, with being a mom? How has it impacted you? Um. Well, you know, it was kind of nice over the summer. Stone came home, and we all were here for a while. So that was kind of a, a silver lining um, to the weirdness of the year because we were all not expecting to be back together again. You know, everyone kind of goes their, their way as the kids get older, but we kind of found ourselves huddled back together for a few months, which was fun. Um, I mean, it's okay. We're we're doing okay. My husband is a graphic designer and font designer, and he works at home anyway. So mm-hmm. this isn't strange for him. But um, I'm a content producer at LinkedIn Learning um, as my day job, and I'm doing that from home, which is challenging. Um, it's it's you know it's challenging like it is for everybody. Um, yeah. But. It is what it is, and oh, I didn't mean to say that. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's. I, I feel like we're we're lucky, you know. No one's sick, and we all have jobs right now, and so we're just trying to be grateful, like everybody else. But um, I don't know. How about you? Well, I, What's it been like for you? Well, it's it's been interesting because I have kids at both ends of the yeah. spectrum. Yeah. So you know, Jacob's fifteen. Um, like Dash and I, Jacob discovered the computer during COVID. Like up <laughs> until this point, he was not one of those kids who spent a lot of time on the computer. And now, I mean, he's kind of doing his thing all day on his computer. He's zooming and he's doing other stuff on the computer. He plays a lot of chess, yeah. chess tournaments, but he's sort of self-contained. Like like he he's self-motivated. He's doing yeah. a great job. I don't really have to worry about the distance learning so much with him because I check in with him and he's got it down. But then we have Megan who's six and she's such in such a different thing. First grade. I know they're eight and a half years apart, you know. Uh, well I guess yeah. nine until her birthday. But um so that has been interesting because when this whole thing started, I'm like, oh my goodness, how are they gonna be able to do Zoom with first grader and this is terrible but kids are flexible they adapt and uh, she's figured out the routine and she kind of now is super educated on zoom and how to mute yourself and Mm. how to move into a breakout room and how to raise your hand so there's a lot of benefits to what they're doing they're learning some computer literacy at an early age and so um you know, it's been tough because, as you know, I um, have to teach, and mm-hmm. I'm doing that remotely. They're learning remotely, so there's not really a minute that goes by Monday through Friday that is like we're we're not working on something related to school. Because yeah. you know, her day starts at eight thirty, mine starts a little bit later. I work at Newshawk, so I'm fitting that in during my breaks Mm. and then afterward. And so it's sort of like, it's great that we're all home because, I mean, I would say the best part about COVID is being able to reconnect with the family. Yeah. It's almost like this, you know, you're, you're an atheist, but I'll just say it's almost like God said, reset, check. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you need to spend more time at home. Yeah. <laughs> and and so yeah. when that happened, you know, there's a lot more games we're playing as a family. Oh, that's there's nice. Conversations, you know, because I'm a total workaholic. Like, if you let me work all day, I would. Like, mm. just I would just nonstop. So that's been a really good thing is being able to come around and, um, 
reconnect, so to speak, by having to be home because you're, you know, everyone's working from home, then that's where you're at and that's where you're getting things done. For sure. So, so I've really, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a blast to sort of watch Megan in class. We would not have that opportunity to do that if they were in school, unless we're volunteering or something. So oh, that's a be, great point, Josh. I haven't heard anyone say that before. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. I mean, you kind of know like how they're actually reacting in real time to, to questions and then they they already take assessments at first grade. So watching her do the assessment online is like fascinating and resisting the temptation to help her, you know, just mm-hmm. like if you have a techno technology problem, I'll help, but I can't give you the answer, you know, <laughs> that's that sort of thing. So, I mean, COVID has, has definitely been impactful and obviously, um, there's so many families that are struggling and they, you know, want schools to, to be open. And I understand that we've figured out a way to, to make it work, um, you know, the way we do. And it's, it's, uh, not easy, but you do the best that you can for sure. And, uh, I don't know, I guess we're lucky cause I'm a journalist. I can work, you know, I can yeah. work from home and not everybody yeah. has that sort of job. And then it sounds like LinkedIn was able to set you up with, uh, remote yeah everybody's working at home and we're we're zooming into people's houses to shoot courses it's been really interesting and and how how have you enjoyed that i mean that's that's something that okay and so you have the knowledge and the skills and the content and then the technology part of it was that difficult for you to pick up or they no not really no i mean so i mean so what i'm doing is i work with in I work with subject matter experts all over the world and I help them develop their scripts for these courses and then I storyboard the courses and it's just more storytelling honestly and instructional design which as you say you know I've taught journalism for five years um, or more and so I I have a sense of of, you know pedagogy and and instruction and how people learn Um, and and then I work with the directors and we zoom in and we shoot courses and I, I have a performance background as well so I can help coach them on their performance when we shoot these courses and um so it's kind of a good use of all my different different skills which is a lot of fun and and it's helping people people are learning this stuff right now with everybody being out of work people are watching these courses and learning things that they've always wanted to know just because they're at home but they're also upskilling um you know because they want they're out of work and they want to you know kind of buff up their resumes Okay. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Before we wrap up, let me just sort of ask you, what's what's sort of next for you? We're wrapping up 2020. We're headed to 2021. Um, are you, um, you know, you, I mean, you've done so much. And so I'm sort of wondering, like, what are sort of your next goals, whether it's writing or more books or you, yeah, you, I'm, you speak publicly from time to time? I do I mean, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. If, if somebody asks, but um, <laughs> I... I'm working with someone um, on possibly helping write um, a memoir for them. And so Mm -hmm. that's a big book project that I'm working on um, in my spare time, which is exciting and fun for me. That's great. Okay. Well, uh, Starshine, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I just, for the last time, I want to say that, you know, one of the, one of the sad things about what happened at the daily paper was, uh, well, there are many sad things that happened with the meltdown, but <laughs> one of the things that doesn't get talked about is sort of like, you know, uh, we work together every day and then all of a sudden it's like over and Scattered um, I, the winds. Yeah. you know, and so we kind of familiar with each other here and there, we see each other's work, but I mean, I really admire the work that you do, the work you've done. You're a very talented writer. And as somebody else who writes, I, I recognize that what you do is full of skill and I appreciate that. Uh, I, you know, it's not a type of writing that I enjoy as a writer, you mm-hmm. know, column writing. Cause I love like the watchdog government yeah, journalism yeah. news reporting. Um, but I really respect it and I admire it. And I'm really cool that I'm really glad that you stuck around in this community. Oh, that means to... a lot to me. Everything you've, you've said, it means a lot to me. I'm, I'm a big admirer of yours too. And I'm so grateful that you're doing the work you're doing for those of us, you know, as a community member, it's really important and I read your stuff all the time and I'm informed by it. So thank you. And thanks for having me here. It's been really fun talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank uh, you for teaching the next generation of journalists. 
I know it's fun. I mean, that's the I was I went to what was it the French press? Yeah, French press is that what it's called these days? Yeah. Or Dune? It's called Dune. Oh, Dune. Whatever. I was I went there and uh, this guy, this guy's like working behind the counter. He's like looking at me, and I'm like, uh oh, is there like what happened? I forgot to comb my hair this morning. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you know, because we have mass. You know? Oh right. And, uh, and uh, I'm like, hey, and he's like, hello, Mr. Molina, and I'm like. <laughs> Uh oh, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm so and so, and I was in your class in 2015, and I'm like, wow, that's so amazing because, like, that wasn't somebody I probably would have thought about again. But as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, Gunner, I remember you. Like, you were great. You know, and he's, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm in my last year at UCSB and blah blah. blah and I really enjoyed your class and I met so much and I learned so much and I always wonder oh, how you're that doing. Feels but, so good, huh? you know, those kinds of things, and so. Uh, it's it's as you know it's it's really uh, a feeling to it's an emotion that's hard to describe when somebody says like thank you and you're oh just for like, sure okay, you don't have to say anything else I appreciate it kind of thing so sure. so but um, th- yeah those are good feelings but anyway I look forward to reading your stuff going forward and I'm um, seeing you around and again thanks for everything that you do and um, you can find more podcasts like this at SantaBarbaraTalks.com. And thanks to Kiba Cowork for supporting these podcasts. Thanks, Starshine. Thanks, Josh.